Hello and welcome to a mini bonus episode of Dress Fancy, the podcast about fashion, fantasy and fancy dress. I'm Lucy Clayton and I'm here with cultural historian Dr Benjamin Wilde to discuss a few of our favourite things. And today we're talking Gucci, specifically the spring-summer 19 campaign Gucci Showtime. Directed by Glenn Lutchford, and launched last month, Gucci Showtime is the latest incarnation of Alessandro Michele's relentless resurrection of a brand that's embraced ARCs, One Direction members, geeks and grandmas under his leadership. But in a week where Gucci hits the headlines for all the wrong reasons, following the overwhelmingly outraged response to their ill-conceived and offensive blackface sweater, things aren't as glossily perfect in the Gucci kingdom as this ad campaign suggests. But before we examine all that, why are we interested in it at all here at Dress Fancy? Well, Gucci Showtime is an unapologetic homage to the golden age of Hollywood, a studio spectacular that shamelessly celebrates the visual language of movies such as Singing in the Rain, Covergirl, The Bandwagon, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, American in Paris, and all to the tune of that all-time classic, and one of my favourites incidentally, <laughs> There's No Business Like Show Business. Irvin Berlin wrote that song in 1946, and yet here it is in 2019, sounding fresh as a fashion daisy. Sure, you say, but is it fancy dress? Gucci collections are always theatrical, but here, under the art direction of Christopher Simmons and surrounded by high kicks, the line between clothes and costume is blurred to the extent that it's almost indistinguishable. I think that's right. We have costume jewellery, bodysuits, ball gowns, pretty much everything Lucy and I love about <laughs> costume and fancy dress. But do the punters? That's the question. <laughs> it is. But I think, as you've said, with going back to the Americana and the glory days of the 1950s, how could they not? How could they not? We just don't understand it. Um, <laughs> as always, we'll show you this imagery on our Instagram at Dress Fancy Podcast. And the links to the campaign are, of course, in our show notes. Proceed with caution because hmm. we do not want to be responsible for our <laughs> listeners' slip of the scrolling and any accidental crippling expensive Gucci purchases. Ben, are you a Gucci customer? I am. <gasps> are you? I am. Are you a fan? I really am. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't initially because right. I think wearing my historian's <laughs> mortarboard, I sort of thought this sort of cultural pillaging almost yeah. was quite lazy and I wasn't quite sure of what the point of it was. Mm -hmm. But actually the kaleidoscopic nature of it, I really love it. So really, your sort of mortarboard is firmly rhinestone. It really is. It I is. think we should actually make you one like that. <laughs> I'm just exactly thinking that. Okay, don't worry, leave that with me. Christmas is coming. Ooh. I mean, it's not. No, it's, it's not. February. Actually, we need to do something. It'll have to be like an Easter present or something. That's like an Easter bonnet. Oh my oh. goodness. We've got a new theme here that's Clears just... my diary for the next month. <laughs> Rhinestones are a right bastard as well. They take, because you have to do it with like a tight, like toothpick and hot glue. Yeah, but it, it's February. Um, <laughs> Easter's in April. So I don't know what you're complaining okay, about. Okay, fine. I'll get on with it. Sorry. And you've anyway. all heard this, listeners. Okay. No getting out of this. And no editing this out either. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm committed. I promise. I can't wait. Good. It will be lovely. No, I can't wait either. <laughs> you have to wear it every day, though. I will. I really will. <laughs> okay, right. Back to Gucci. Sorry, back sorry. to Gucci. I'm a Gucci customer, but not for myself. Oh. I only buy it. This is a horrible thing to admit. I only buy it for my son because it's a lot cheaper. Oh. Mm. But do you like the Gucci items under Michelle? Do I like the clothes? Yes and no. I mean, I think for women's wear, weirdly, I prefer 
kids is just a joyous yeah, no, it really kind is. of yeah. super fun thing and, and kind of why have a kid if it's not for dressing it up yeah cool social services you know <laughs> so I kind of like that and I like particularly for the boys stuff it's kind of got a bit more personality than yeah. a lot of designer kids clothes which is just tiny weird creepy mini versions of adult clothes that's which true i'm not into it's the boys sort of tank tops the tank and the tops, men's tank the knit tops. Where that's I, love. I just love yeah and all yeah, the yeah, sort yeah. of you know cricket jumpers and that sort of thing so yes kit unfortunately is not such a fan oh yeah and every time it's disappointing because he, he would much rather wear tracksuit bottoms gray marl tracksuit bottoms and a white t-shirt is his favorite outfit but with a gucci tank top over the top i'm just picturing that now that looks amazing <laughs> No, but obviously I'm not supportive of his subtle real choices. Uh, uh, good, no, He's uh, just yeah. in the wrong house. Yeah. So every time he try, every time he puts something, he's like, "Mummy, I am not a Gucci person," which is about a re- most revolting expression to hear at child. Can I just so, say I love the way that you're whispering, thinking that your son can't hear you. Bearing in mind this is a live podcast, and it will be re- relayed to millions of people. All right, but let's talk about the visuals of this sure. campaign, separate from the collections themselves, and if in fact that is in possible to do because that's the point here isn't it Mm. I think what I admire about this kind of communication and I speak as an ex-advertising person Mm. for all my sins that's (laughs) not something I like to admit but you know we've spoken before in this podcast about our love of a total Mm. commitment to a theme and this feels like heartland fancy dress territory to me and that's exactly what they're doing here you know we've talked about world building and creating this kind of otherworldly sense where all the references within it are contained and contextually perfect. Mm. And that's what's so enjoyable, about, I think, about this campaign. There are other campaigns that I haven't really felt anything for within mm. the same team. You know, I don't really care about the animals. I feel no, very yeah, little for mean, Harry yeah. Styles mm. with a chicken. Yeah, no. I just sort of feel nothing. Whereas this, yeah, I mean... You're sort of humming along mm. and clicking your fingers before you, you know, whether you like it or not, really. I, th- I think so. I mean, I think partly it's what they're referencing. So it is that the sort of golden glamour of Hollywood. You've got men almost as though they're dressed as the Tin Man from yeah, it's Wizard of Oz. very Wizard of Oz, isn't it? It is. And, and I think there's something that's childhood about that. It's very escapist. It's the glory days of Americana, which I think we all love. And I think particularly this sort of time of year, the sort of January blues going into the sort of, you know, the greyness of February, tapping into sort of Oscar season. I mean, it it all just seems right. For once you seem to have, or maybe not for once, maybe that's a bit harsh, but you seem to have a sort of campaign that is very, very zeitgeisty. And Mm. I know that word is probably sort of overused, but that idea of a perfect response to how people are feeling. So you do, I think, get that sense of well-building and that sense of empowerment that comes through through costume. And it's visually just so oh, spectacular, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? You know, what isn't wonderful about mm. a person jumping out of a cake? Exactly. <laughs> and the fact that she looks like Angela Lansbury is just amazing. <laughs> Oh, probably... Angela, the, the cry, the cry goes up. Well, that was certainly my cry. Um, I probably just ruined that moment for so many people. Now. But I, I think also just the sort of delicious colours. I mean, you've, yes. it almost goes back to the fashion photographs of one of my favourite fashion photographers, Owen Blumenfeld, and that richness of colour, that sort of escapism. I, again, I just it just felt right for me. It's the Art directionally, it is Mm. genius. There's a one-dimensional quality to the sets Mm. that's so perfectly done. It feels like you're on a stage lot. There's a flimsiness Mm. to it that personally I find really joyful. And, you know, that Technicolor, Pantone perfection of it all, it's bang on. It's also very La La Land. 
it's true it is but i think more beautiful oh, i think in the, yeah in the, it's, but it's that vibe it's sort of you know i think it does the same emotional it pulls mm. on all the same emotional strings yeah but visually what i prefer about this is that it has that sort of very temporary feeling there's something so kind of budgetly brilliant about a ribbon yeah. on a stick yes i mean i just have got a thing for ribbons on a stick i spent but most I of my a... childhood putting sticking ribbons <laughs> i can imagine tape. that Two sticks. And adulthood as well, I'd imagine. I mean, I want to drop what I'm doing and do that right now. No, what you want to do now is my mortarboard with rhinestones. Yeah, okay, shit. I'll do that first. Seriously, a ribbon on a stick. Yeah. That is basically the most fun one Mm. can have. Yeah. Full stop. Mm. I was going to put in a room, but actually anywhere, ever. ever. And as a child, you know, and that all came from watching those big song and dance numbers. Mm. The other thing I love about this is the sound... Obviously, the song is brilliant. Mm. It would definitely be one of my desert island discs. I know all the words. That awkwardness, for me, I think makes it right for Gucci. There is an awkwardness Mm. and a kind of, it's both glossy and not glossy at the same Mm. time. Like they're sort of lip syncing along in a way that feels like Mm. it's dubbed. But but it is. I mean, in some ways, I mean, the video that goes with the campaign is very much of two halves. What you first see is the accomplished performance. Yes. But then you have the sort of key change and then you do see the behind the scenes. And I think it's that... That juxtaposition yeah. to sound very technical. But yeah. I, I think it's that that makes it. Which is why, you know, the, the best movie at doing that is, of course, Singing in the Rain, which they mm. rip off yeah. wholeheartedly in this, which I do think in itself, that's probably a bit punchy, trying to recreate the dancing on the desk bit from Singing on the Rain or moments Beautiful red like shoes, that. though. Beautiful red shoes, he says, <laughs> buying them. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I think what I loved about it was how they did the Singing in the Rain thing where you sort of see the camera rolls back and you see the smoke machine. Mm. And that is so romantic in that yeah. film. And it does the same thing here. But then another part of me is like, some things are sacred. Yes. You are not Gene Kelly. Get off the mm. desk. Take the shoes off. <laughs> see, I think I was just so enamoured of the shoes that I, 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 I forgave that moment. I just but... think, you know, that's one of the best mm. no, you him, are him right. in anything, actually. Yeah. He is definitely on my extensive list of people who are dead who I'd like to have sex with. <laughs> Okay. To be fair, I don't, I don't have that list, but it's maybe worth starting it for him to be oh, honest. You must have that list. Okay. Yeah. Number one, Gene Kelly. Right. That might be a little tussle between us both then. Marilyn Monroe. No, a, yeah, yeah, no, I, I take, yeah, okay. Yeah. Fred Astaire, not on the list. No. Too thin. Anyway. So... Yeah, I'm getting nasty, nasty visuals now. <laughs> stop, stop. I think the point is there's something so clever about taking a moment in time that most people love mm. that you never hear someone say, God, I really hate those big studio movies of the 40s and 50s. No. It's sort of a back of the net choice Mm. in terms of popularity, isn't it? The nostalgia of it, as you say, Mm. you know, no one's ever got a bad feeling about those things. No. They're sort of connected to the cultural memory Mm. of all of us, really. Because of that, for me, I think it's an art directional triumph, but it's not a creative leap in a way. No. It does feel quite as you say, potentially quite a lazy choice. I mean, there is, yeah, absolutely. There is something very contrived. It's a safe choice. It's a safe that obviously has instant sort of commercial attraction. And so, yeah, is it is it a bit lazy? I think possibly. And I, I think, as I said, that does run through maybe there's a theme here. Yeah. And whether it is just the historian in me that sort of overlooks these sort of transgressions of a sort, but I, I do like that sort of historical eclecticism. Yeah. That as long as maybe it's sort of engaging with the past in some way, that romance that I'm... You almost fill in the blanks yourself oh, and you, you, totally you put in do. your personal Absolutely. narratives, which is yes. obviously what they intend with, with most campaigns. But I think I'm just the right audience for this, <laughs> the right demographic for this sort of campaign. So I, I'm just, I've bought it hook, line and sinker. So yes, the red shoes are on order. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then one of those full spandex bodysuits, which again, so yeah. in that final lineup, mm. the big sort of everyone's on stage moment. Oh, that was amazing. Which is amazing. <laughs> Obviously, Gucci ready to wear buyable yeah. clothes, but treated so much as costumes that they're next to the full lycra bodysuits, yeah. which I'm assuming are not part of the collection. Mm. But, you know, if you showed the average punter that, my dad, who was a dad, <laughs> not a Gucci customer, <laughs> more of a musto, <laughs> uh, he wouldn't be able to tell the difference between those things. And actually no. in the jewellery ad, a sort of standalone mm. print ad, Obviously, it's costume jewellery, but I mean, it's costume jewellery to the extent that you could have bought it in Claire's accessories level, yeah. the way it's been treated. And I wonder what that will do mm. in sales terms. It will be interesting to see whether that's... I mean, I think the image is glorious and I love it, yeah. but I also think that it's rendered... Everything looks, even if it's made of paste, more paste because yeah. of the But I think that's style. often how it's styled and, and how it's sold. If we're thinking of men's accessories, the rings, the bracelets that they sell... It is this idea of, you know, it's sort of magpie eclecticism. Totally. You, you, you buy a lot of it. It is the theatricality of it. The fact that it's paced, the fact that it's it's faux, in some ways, is part of the enjoyment of it. Yes, as um, we discussed in our yeah, jewellery exactly. episode, yeah. of course, the, the sort of brazenness mm, of it. And it, yeah. I mean, it is definitely that. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> Again, really, yeah. why do we love it? But let's talk about the other Gucci story, though, mm. alongside this, because it feels interesting to me that these things are breaking at the same time. So yeah. on the one hand, we have this glorious, celebratory and uplifting piece of communication from the brand. At the same time, as we're reading headlines about one of the most, mm. I mean, insensitive does not go anywhere near to describing what a bad mm. set of decisions have been made. Yeah. And the jumper that's being sort of dubbed the blackface jumper mm. across the press has, of course, been withdrawn. And they have issued a statement saying that, you know, it will be a moment of learning. Mm which is good. Yeah. Whether it's enough or not, mm. uh, I, I don't know. Because I think for me, this is where the historical eclecticism falls down because where you are a magpie and you're taking things because you think they look good or you've got lost in the moment of assembling all these sort of artefacts, you possibly lose the cultural references that are really important. Right. Because I think for me, what's so insensitive is that if the glorious, colourful, bold film is sort of channeling, in some ways, the very best or what we might most enjoy from 1950s America. Of course, at the same time, you've got enormous sort of race riots and, and huge inequalities within America. So to have all of this sort of thrown together in, in this campaign, I think is really, really crass. And again, it just indicates that someone hasn't done their homework. I mean, the way they tried to justify the balaclava-esque mask was by saying that it's referencing ski wear. But I mean, I just, it's just poor. I think for me, there's been a lot written about this and mm. it's a really, it's not a thorny issue for me. It's a very straightforward set of circumstances. Yeah. And for me, Spike Lee talks about it most eloquently and most clearly, actually, he says, this is racist, yeah. blackface, hateful imagery. And I think we need to remember that when responses from the brands, are, oh, well, we were inspired by ski wear. Like the two things do not coexist. No, like that's don't. not no. okay. And, you know, he is saying that he won't wear those brands, not just Gucci, but other brands who have done similarly ridiculous things. And he won't wear them until they hire some black designers. And for me, that's kind of the point, really. You know, brands have a responsibility to fully represent. And yeah. it leaves a really bad taste in your mouth when the visuals are on the one hand so celebratory mm. or about joy. But equally, that joy in that film is pretty fully white. Yes. Not representative mm. of now, of their customers, or even actually of 1950s Hollywood at the time. Yes. It, that yeah, was that more diverse yeah. than the, yeah. the film. And I think 
it's all very well for mm. a brand to say that they will learn from their mistakes. But the reality is it's not just about the room being big enough that it allows for diversity. Mm. Unless you have the right people in the room, mm. exactly then they so. will continue yeah. to make these you know, really offensive and, and we've said this before, I think, mm. actually in our episode about fancy dress and bad taste, which is an interesting thing to think about because exactly it's mm. kind of beyond bad taste. Mm. Quite a lot of the time, how are these things being made? What, mm. How many people, how many layers of approval and sampling exactly. and decision making yeah. and sourcing to get us to mm. the point where suddenly it's out in the world and newspapers mm. point out how ridiculous it is and how unforgivable and then they're like oh shit <laughs> yeah no, but, I, but I think that's also one of the dangers in a sense of fancy dress as a sort of sartorial form because on the one hand as maybe the video demonstrates that it's frivolous it's about escapism it's fun but of course don't forget that blackface was often a sort of standard prop in fancy dress performances yes and so you know if you take this idea that fancy dress is simply about frivolity that it is about spectacle mm. then possibly and I'm not trying to explain away something that I think is invidious, but you could get to that stage where, oh, this is just a bit of fun. This is another image exactly. in a source book of images. But I think yeah. what this, for me, these two sides demonstrate is almost a cautionary tale of if we want to understand the prevalence of fancy dress, we also have to understand its potency. Yes. And the cultural origins of where these things are coming from. And I think in the case of this sweater, that has just broken down completely. I think it's interesting, Diet Prada, who of course broke the story about the Dolce & Gabbana mm. in Shanghai palaver, yeah. which is similarly a moment in fashion history that I think we would all mm. like to distance ourselves from and forget. Thank you, guys. <laughs> but Diet Prada have talked about the campaign, and actually this was before the jumper situation but they said the new Gucci video campaign is both beautiful and bothersome having spent a good chunk of my early 20s diving into Hollywood cinema from the 1930s through 50s the set design the joyful charisma of the tap mm. dancers and the accuracy of the Technicolor effects of Gucci's homage mesmerized and mostly did justice to an incredible legacy beyond the gorgeous production values taking closer look at the casting of the principal actors and I'm reminded of two recent fashion industry gaffes Balenciaga, Celine. Yeah. Gucci's vision of Hollywood was also extremely white. In actuality, mm. 2018 was a milestone of representation in Hollywood, notably cast of Black Panther, Crazy Rich yes. Asians, a list of other films. But this video harkens back to a time where minorities scarcely had the same opportunities to create successful mm. careers as they do now. Exceptions like Lena Horne, Harry Belafonte, Dolores de Rio typically had to fight for roles that wouldn't denigrate their identity in order to satiate palatable stereotypes. Yeah. And, you know, it, there's a longer piece here, which is definitely worth reading and we'll direct you to it in our show notes. But the post ends, I think, brilliantly with, rather than seizing the chance to celebrate its true spectrum of pioneers, albeit limited, pushing a singular white narrative of old Hollywood was a missed opportunity to forward fashion's diversity agenda, especially coming from a brand that has shown inclusivity. And I think that's the point. It's just yeah. all a bit disappointing. And mm. I think to echo the Spike Lee comments until we change the people in the room until we yeah. allow everybody mm. a voice in those environments things like this will continue to happen yeah. even though when they happen it's so shocking I you know, know Katy Perry also mm. this week has had to withdraw shoes with I mean they're almost identical it's just a shoe version of the jumper basically yeah. So it, we don't have to look very far no, no. to find other... This isn't a one-off, oh, we got mm. that wrong. It feels something that has to be removed at, at roots level rather yeah. than apologised for post-launch. Exactly, after it's done, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
So I think what's interesting is that yesterday, um, Alessandro Michele offered a apology. This is online. We'll put a link to our show notes. But just to offer, I suppose, a pressy, he argued that the jumper was a tribute to Lee Burry and to his camouflage art. More generally, though, Michele used his letter to pledge, and he said, to increase inclusivity, diversity, participation and cultural awareness at any level and in any workshop across the world. He said that he was heartfully sorry for this hurt that he'd caused through the jumper and that, as he called it, the turtleneck jumper evoked a racist imagery causes me the greatest grief. I think we will look forward to seeing that diversity in action. And I think we will. All, all the more of it, please. We hope you enjoyed this mini Gucci-tastic episode and next time we will discuss the legendary Weldon's catalogue, an altogether different kind of fashion. Thank you to Mark, our editor. Join us next time for more costume drama. <laughs>